desires. Blue skies, silver linings, a break in the clouds. Akila knows these to be mere illusions caused by putting on rose-coloured spectacles. She has long ago trodden to shards, her rose-glassed spectacles, and switched to metal-framed glasses that remain plain indoors and turn photochromatic outdoors. Even the sun ceases to shine when Akila's glasses turn a dusky brown. So this, then, is Akila, forty-five years old, sans rose-coloured spectacles, sans husband, children, home and family, dreaming of escape and space, hungry for life and experience, aching to connect. Akila was not a creature of impulse. She took time over every decision. She pondered, deliberated, slept over it, and only when she had examined every single nuance and point of view did she make up her mind. Even the saris she wore revealed this. Starched cotton saris that demanded much planning and thinking ahead. Not like gauzy chiffons and ready-to-wear polysilks. Those were for people who changed their mind at least six times every morning before they settled on what to wear. Those were for the fickle and feckless. Starch saris needed orderly minds, and Akila prided herself on being an organised person. But when she woke up that morning, stirred out of sleep by a tiny housefly with gauzy wings and a pert black body, hopelessly lost, vagrant and restless, Humming and hovering above her face, Akila felt within her a queer, itinerant sensation. An aftermath of her dream the night before, she thought. The fly settled on her brow for a fleeting second and rubbed its legs briskly. Flies did this all the time, loading and unloading disease and despair. But this one, new adult, had nothing to unburden but germs of disquiet. Akila flicked the fly off with a sweep of her arm, but the fly had accomplished what it had set out to do. A snarl of maggot-like notions swam through the redness of blood and thought till Akila felt a great desire to board a train, to leave, to go somewhere that wasn't landlocked like this city of Bangalore. To the end of the world, perhaps. Her world, at least. Kanyakumari. At Kanyakumari, the three seas meet, the Bay of Bengal, the Indian Ocean, and the Arabian Sea, a quiet male ocean flanked by two restless female seas. Akila had heard of how. It was at Kanyakumari, only then it was called Cape Comorin, that the headstrong and restless Narendra flung himself into the churning waters and the salts of the three seas and swam to a rock upon which he sat resolutely, waiting for answers that had eluded him all his life. So that when he left the rock, he became Vivekananda, the one who had found the joy of wisdom, the saint who taught the world to arise, awake, and stop not till the goal is reached. She had read, that Kanyakumari had got its name from the goddess who, like her, had put her life on hold, condemned to an eternal waiting, and that the beach there was made up of multicoloured sand, the fossilised remnants of a wedding feast that was never served or eaten.
Akila lay on her bed staring out of the window and decided that she would go. Tonight. Padma wouldn't like it, Akila knew. These days her sister was suspicious of everything she did or said. Akila felt her mouth draw into a line. Padma called it the spinster mouth. Akka's mouth, grim, determined, and brooking no interference. She rose and went to look at the calendar hanging on her wall. She skimmed the dates, December 19. The year would soon be over. Akila thought, and then not knowing why, she searched the end of the calendar for the needle she kept pierced through the paper, threaded with a white thread. In readiness for an emergency, a loose hook, an unravelling hem, the needle was gone. One of the girls must have taken...